If your homeschooler is going to be taking a standardized test soon, do you know the best way to prepare? This is the Homeschool Sanity Show, the episode where my guest shares some lesser-known insights and tips to put you and your student at ease. I'm Dr. Melanie Wilson, Christian psychologist turned homeschool mom and curriculum author, and this is the podcast helping you wave goodbye to worry and say hello to a happy homeschool. Hey, homeschoolers. I had the chance to interview one of my favorite people for the podcast again, Dennis DeNoya of Mr. D Math. We first became acquainted when my son enrolled in his ACT math prep course. My son was so impressed with his teaching style, and so was I. I then ended up meeting him at great homeschool conventions, where in one instance, he came to my rescue with his audiovisual equipment. He is not only a brilliant math teacher, but one of the nicest people on the planet. I'll put a link in the show notes to a previous interview in which he shares his background. I think you'll find our discussion about test preparation practical and encouraging. Dennis, I am thrilled to have you back on the podcast. You are one of my favorite people because you're so positive that you put me in a great mood. So <laughs> I'm thrilled to have you back. And oh, let's go. Happy Wednesday, right? <laughs> yes, yes. It's Wednesday <laughs> when we are recording. And I would love to start by having you update us on what has been going on with you and your family since we spoke last. Oh, absolutely. Well, okay, so here's what's really cool. So here we are, 2023, right? We got one graduating this year. So I'm, it's uh, my first homeschool graduate, super excited, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, we have a, we have kind of a, just a, a cool way of living. So a lot of travel back and forth. But my son, who's 18, is a, he's a flamenco dancer. And so he's here, we're here in Madrid right now. I, I just flew back into Madrid this weekend. So um, I'm just kind of like playing with jet lag and all that good stuff. But he is part of the, he's in a, a training program in a conservatory here in Madrid. And it's a feeder into kids that want to audition for the Royal Ballet of Spain. So he's in, he's got one more year of training, um, but he'll graduate from high school this year, which is super cool. And then my 16-year-old, uh, my daughter, is uh, she's our linguist, right? And so she uh, she informed me today that uh, she said, okay, dad, I'm going to take on my fifth language. So 16. So she speaks, um, she'll say she speaks, uh, she speaks English, French, and Spanish fluently. I've heard her talk to people in Italian. So I'm going to go ahead and check that one off too. But then she's, start, she's starting to study Portu Portuguese. So that's her next one that she's going to start uh, taking some taking some classes next year and doing her thing. So um, it's just kind of fun, you know, and it's just, you know, I watch her and I'm thinking, it, people are like, well, what's she going to do when she gets older? She says, whatever she wants, Anything. you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so we're, you know, we're just rolling and having fun. <laughs> it's, it's so neat. It's just so inspiring to see what kids are able to accomplish as homeschoolers. You know, you and I can't even imagine doing these things as young people, as, as teenagers, um, you know, in a traditional school uh, right. system. Um, so it's, I, I love having um, people like you come on and share what their kids are doing because I know it encourages the homeschooling parents listening to keep going, keep going. It will pay off. 
Oh my goodness, absolutely. It's a, and, and what's really great is that we didn't know some of the talents and skills that, that both kids have, but my son, especially with, uh, with the arts, we knew he liked to dance, but we had no idea that he was a piano player until we brought him home and discovered uh, I had a piano in the house. And so he started fooling around playing a little bit. And he went and he took this lesson, comes back after the lesson because he went with a, a neighbor kid who was homeschooled, came mm-hmm. back and he was playing a song. Or like, <laughs> how did you do that? And he says, well, the, you know, the teacher said, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. So an hour later, he's playing the entire song. And I said, Rafa, how did you do that? He said, well, he goes, I watched the rest of it on YouTube. He oh, was, yeah. I, he might have been eight or nine years old, right? He couldn't read music, but he figured out the entire song. So he's got this gift, not only for mm-hmm. dance, but for music as well. And we would have never known uh, to be able to explore that with him through homeschooling had we not discovered it because he was a homeschooler, right? Otherwise he would have, you know, he kind of always was kind of, he was kind of moody when he was little, right? Mm-hmm. And really didn't know like, well, what's the moodiness about? Well, he had all this pent up music inside of him that he just had no way of expressing himself. We find that uh, this is it. And he's just, he's tearing it up. So he always says, he goes, yeah, my shelf life as a dancer is I can dance till I'm about 30. And he said, okay, then I got music. Then I got music after that. I'm like, you're do great. So, well, Dennis, I am going to put you on the spot a little bit and ask if you have any clips of your son dancing that you could send over to me, just even a short oh, little clip. Yeah. And I, I know people would want to see it. You know what? Okay, so I'll tell you what. So this Friday, um, he is dancing uh, with a group in there. So he's part of a company. So the company he's in right now is kind of like the minor leagues of baseball, right? Okay. So he's in a company. It's a touring company here in Madrid. And uh, they tour, but instead of getting paid, then they get uh, they get uh, money off of their tuition for their classes, right? Because he trains about 20 hours a week right now. So it's pretty incredible. But he's doing a performance Friday night. So I will take videos and I'll send you. It'll be the most current thing. And okay. I know that he has two solos. So he's Ooh. actually being trained. He's super tall, right? So he's tall as okay. a dancer. He's like almost 6'4". Um, and so he's being trained as a, as a soloist, right? But he's really funny to watch. He's a flamenco dancer. So the arms are flying and the little castanets are going. He's stomping his feet, right? But he's got, if I said it that way, he'd, he'd yell at me. But uh, <laughs> there's a, a better way to say that. Okay. But he, yeah, but um, but he's doing a performance this Friday. So I'll get some clips and send them to you. You bet. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So check the show notes uh, for that. And um, we will get you all set up to watch this dance. I cannot wait personally because oh, yeah. I've heard all about it, but I've never seen it. So. Right. Yeah, uh, it's amazing. <laughs> we are a little bit off track, but I love it. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so we are going to now shift gears and start talking about achievement testing. I know you and I had a conversation about test preparation, and you mentioned to me that doing those kinds of skills and and um preparation um, practices for test taking builds executive functioning skills. Can you talk more about that, how that takes place? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and for me, this is something new that we've discovered. Actually, it was pointed out to me uh, by by a data analyst. And he was going through looking at some, we did some test prep for some school programs that are based in California. We were looking at the results and he said, look, he said, you do realize what you're really doing is working on executive functioning skills. And the truth is, I was like, I've never even heard of that. I'm going to have to go look it up. So I've, so I've been like for the last two years, I've been like researching and studying and what are these things? And noticing how much test preparation deals with things like, you know, executive functioning skills cover things like um, time management and being organized and uh, setting goals. And one of the biggest things is what we call stress tolerance. So, you know, oftentimes I think when people are taking tests and just in life in general, right, they deal with test anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so this isn't about the removal of the anxiety. So because people are going to get anxious no matter what. But what we can do through test preparation is help them be able to tolerate stress, not remove the stress because the stress isn't going away. And in fact, a little bit of stress is a good thing. So we work best under stress sometimes. So if we learn how to tolerate the stress, we can do that. And test preparation uh, lets us do that. It also gives us that ability to be able to do what we call adaptive thinking. So because we can, we're moving from one question, one concept from one to the next to the next. And so we have to adapt. We have to adjust. We have to see, well, how does the information given to us? And what do we do with the information this time? That's different than last time. So we're discovering more and more about the executive functioning skills and how much test preparation applies to that. Mm-hmm. Well, that that is so good. And of course, the anxiety is in my wheelhouse. Um, I specialized in treating people with anxiety disorders, not really because I had such an interest in it, but because that was the number one complaint that people were coming to me with. So um, anxiety is a huge issue. But what are some other challenges that students have in taking achievement tests? Mm, yeah, I got to remember, I'm talking to the psychologist too, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it, it, this is going to sound really funny, but I think especially homeschoolers, I think one of the biggest things that gets in their way whenever they're taking any kind of an achievement test, whether it's an SAT or an ACT or a state level test or even just an achievement test at the end of the year, homeschoolers are great readers. And I'm going to say this and I go, this people are going to be like, what? You know, nails on the chalkboard kind of comment. But being a great reader gets in the way of doing well on achievement tests. And the reason I know it's kind of funny thing to say, right? If you're a great reader, when you read, you are so good at reading that you don't have to read all the words. And because you can see a paragraph and you can see the sentence and you already you've already put together what it says. And we do we do an exercise with people where we show them a sentence that is completely written wrong and we ask them to read it. And the really good readers read it wrong every time they read it like they think it's supposed to say, not what it actually says. So we have to work with them on. But that's not what it says. And that's I think that's one of the biggest things young people run into because we hear them tell us all the time. They come back and tell us, they say, well, I thought that's what the question was asking, right? Because the way that they read it, how they interpreted it, and then they were interacting with their interpretation about what they read, not what they actually read. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing, and this again, for homeschoolers, is that, you know, when we look at testing and we think about taking tests, one of the things I think, I think part of the reason, oftentimes a, a reason, I won't say the reason, but a reason that we love homeschooling so much is we're not caught up in the test, 
Right. Mm-hmm. And we're not caught up in, you know, we're like, you know, in the public schools, you, you hear the teaching to the test kind of thing. And you hear all that conversations and poor teachers. And they're always like, oh, I got to cover all these standards on the test. You know, so in homeschooling, we don't have to deal with that. So the other I think the other part of that is that for young people and in the homeschooling world, that the test isn't necessarily important to them. And so those are two things. One, they might be too good at reading. And the other is that they just have got this opinion now kind of built in, ingrained in them that the test isn't that important. Right. Mm-hmm. And for me, I would even say maybe you're right. But when mm-hmm. you're taking a test, just take your opinion, set it off to the side, put it <laughs> over there for a little while. And when the test is over, you can have your opinion back. But just <laughs> for a little while, you know, it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um Boy, I mean, I can take what you just said there and apply it to other areas of our lives. Like I was thinking about just, you know, our relationships. We often react to what we think the person is saying rather than what they are actually saying, right? I mean, so, and of course, our opinions too get in the way. Um, So great, great um, answer to that question, Dennis. I love it. Okay, so... um, what are some mistakes that homeschoolers make when they start preparing for a test then? Mm. Well, you know, have you ever seen, uh, have you ever seen those SAT books? You know, like the, um, you know, I won't use the names of the companies that put them out there, but they put them out there and they're, I don't know what, 1400 pages long. They're these uh-huh. big, thick, crazy books. <laughs> and what I've watched people do at homeschoolers, as well as, as students that, they start and they start reviewing, you know, they start reviewing 50 problems on how to work with slope intercept form of a line, or they're doing 50 problems on commas or 50 com- or fifty questions on semicolons, right? And so what they do is they keep practicing the repetition of the same concept over and over again. And that's not how the test works. The test mm-hmm. doesn't do, you're not going to get 50 problems of the same thing. You're going to get 50 problems and they're all different. And so what we tell young people to do is to take the book, go to the very end where the practice tests are and start there, you know, because that's where we want to get to. When you're ready to take a test, we're pretty clear that you've learned the concepts because you're ready to take the test. What we, what we find for most students is that they're not sure about how to take that particular test. And so like looking at the strategy of the test and how the test is written and the kinds of questions they're going to ask, how's it formatted? Is there four possible answers? Is there five? Do you have true and false? Do you fill in the blank? So knowing the structure of the test makes a huge difference. And I think for young people, they don't prepare that way. They prepare more like, let me drill and practice, drill and practice, drill and practice. Um, it's almost like it's almost like practicing baseball and then you're going to play basketball. It's like, you know, it's kind of it's just kind of like, oh, wait, that is not even gonna, it's not even a fit there. Right. So we really want them to look at, well, what is the style of the test? How's it written? What are they looking at? You know, you look at the SAT test. It's kind of a logic based test. Right. Where other tests you take, the, some standardized tests are very more clear based on the on the content or what you're working on during the year. So it, it depends. Right. Oh, excellent. Excellent. And I hadn't really even thought of that um, as what we tend to do. It's like we're trying to cover the content rather than the test format and the strategy. So that's excellent. Okay. So given that that is a common mistake that we make, what suggestions do you have for students who are going to be taking a test this year to enable them to do their very best work? Well, there's that there's that thing out there and it starts with a G, it ends with an E, it's got some O's in it, you know, Google, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
But Google, Google practice test. Uh, you'll always find practice tests on the test that you're going to take. So just the name of the test, what it is. The SAT, there's two different ways to prep for the SAT. One is through Khan Academy. They have a great, great, great practice site that they teamed up with College Board. And so and College Board has their own practice test. Khan Academy takes those, those practice tests and then adds on all the times and all those things. But anywhere, there's a um, Varsity Tutors has a, a site where you can do all kinds of practice tests. So it's getting practice tests. If there's a time limit on the test, set a timer, practice with the timer. But get the test, practice with the test, because then you're going to know, one, how the test how the test is formatted. But two, if there is an area that you notice that you need to go back and review, then go back and review. But don't try to do all the review first, because that's not very effective or efficient when you're trying to prepare for a test. Oh, so good. And I'm just going to add in here that my students who did the best, my my kids took the ACT rather than the SAT, but my kids who did the very best on the test simulated the testing environment completely. They were alone in uh, my husband's office. They abided by the time limits. They took the breaks when they were supposed to. And their scores that they got in that complete practice session were either identical or within one point of what their final score was. So um, I I have nothing but positive things to say about that. And and kids don't want to do it, right? (laughs) Right. They don't want to commit to four hours of a practice test session, but it is so valuable to mm-hmm. have that practice where, you know, you really do have a time limit that you are working with, right? Right. Oh, that's great. Especially if it's at eight o'clock in the morning. Now you're making it <laughs> up there, too, right? <laughs> I have to say it wasn't at eight o'clock in the morning. They weren't oh. that radical, but right. um, in every other respect, and, and I, you know, I learned that as a psychologist that, um, we were taught that you want to emulate the environment. Environment You want to get familiarity with the environment as much as you possibly can. If you can see the room ahead of time, probably that isn't going to be um, that easy to do. Like my kids took the, the test at a... Um, a local high school uh, that they did not attend. So they aren't, aren't going to be able to, you know, go into that room ahead of time. But if you have that opportunity, I would make ample use of that, you know, sit in the desk, have your students sit there and feel what it's going to feel like, you know, see where the clock is or notice that there is no clock. I, I had one of my students forget to bring a watch and there was no clock in the room. Mm. <laughs> Brutal. Right. And it reflected oh. on his score too. He had to retake right. it. So uh-huh. yeah, yeah. So if you can do those kinds of things, I highly recommend that. Okay. So I know that you have a test uh, prep course for math Can you tell us more about that? And do you have anything else available to homeschoolers who are really wanting to do their best on tests this year? We we do. So so we do an SAT and ACT. I actually call them a boot camp. Um, And you know what's funny? I've actually heard some other people now that do test prep and they're saying they have boot camps. And I'm like, 
I'm pretty sure I said that first. I'm not sure, but I'm, gonna, I'm pretty sure I did, right? Because I thought about the idea of what a boot camp is, right? And I remember my brother was uh, was in the Navy, and he told me about going through boot camp. And I said, man, I said, this is brutal what they do to you. And he said, yeah. He said, they're wearing us down. Mm. And I said, really? And he said, oh, yeah. He says, they're, just, they're trying to break us of the habits that we had that they want us to, to undo. And I thought about that. I always remembered that because I thought, first of all, that's not me, right? I don't want to, you know, right? That's just not the way that I, that's not how I roll, right? But I started thinking about, well, what is it that we have young people come in with? And they come in with some with some ideas about what the test is going to look like or or how they're supposed to take it, right? And we have this, we have a strategy that we work with, with students on. And it's really simple. We tell them to find the question first and then work the problem out from there. But the question's usually at the end of the problem, you know, or the end of a reading passage. And young people, we've been told, I got told, probably you got told, and the teachers that told us, or this, they've, this has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years, is that you always read everything first. And we just found out it just doesn't work very well. And so we start with this, start with the question first, but it takes us, that's why we call it a boot camp. It takes us literally about the first three to four weeks in a six week program to actually get that to them where they have now broken the pattern that they had and started to build a new one. So that's why we can't, we call it a boot camp. But all we're doing during that time is practice problems that they're going to see, the kinds of problems they're going to see on either the SAT or ACT. And then we have all kinds of supplemental materials for them. So in fact, if they need to go back and they need to review a math concept. We've got things out of our math courses that we put in for them. We recommend here, this is what these problems came from. You can go back and practice these from there. And then for people that are just interested in, and we haven't, we haven't actually advertised this to homeschoolers, but here we go. Let's see what happens, right? Um, so I developed a, a program and I worked with a company called Write at Home. Write at Home uh, took on the English, uh, the ELA side, the English language arts side of things. And we did the math side for grades three through 11. And we did this for a public charter, uh, a group of public charter schools that are in California. And so this is for their end of the year state test. And this is working on both math and their ELA skills. But it's based, it's, you know, it's grade level based. So mm -hmm. uh, for people that are interested in just practicing test taking skills, this is a great program too. And we've never made it available to homeschoolers because I hadn't thought about that until you just said, well, what about people that just want to practice? Like, what a mm -hmm. great practice. So we can make that available for them as well. Well, excellent, because, you know, homeschoolers do either by state requirement or by preference have their students take achievement testing throughout their homeschooling years. Like I always had my students do it in, um, no, I'm trying to remember, <laughs> I think it was sixth grade, right. sixth grade. Um, I believe so. And because then I knew what I really needed them to work on, improve on before they started high school. So I had those couple of years in there. And I think the reason I'm confused is because sometimes I missed a year and I would have them do it in seventh grade. Um, but it was it was helpful, I think, to give them exposure to that type of testing, which is very similar to college entrance exam testing, and uh, just to help them get over this fear, because that's, that's another fear, I think, um, that doesn't apply as much to college testing, but definitely applies to achievement testing, which is, well, I don't know this. And, you know, achievement testing, as I know you are aware, that test is designed to find the limits of what a student knows. So yes, they are going to bump up against concepts that they don't know. And it doesn't mean that, oh, I haven't learned what I need to learn. It's just, 
you know, those tasks are going to say, oh, this student is reading at a 12th grade level in sixth grade. And unless they present material like that to a student, they aren't going to know how advanced that student is. So, you know, that's the other thing that I did tell my kids when I had them take achievement testing is, you know, don't panic when you don't know something. They're just trying to find out, you know, how educated you are. So Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, in tests like that, I know I used to be a test administrator for the Iowa test. They have yes. ICDS or whatever, you know, right? And right. same thing. They had a um, there was a great uh review book called Scoring High. And it was great because it gave kids an opportunity. They could look and see where they were and how to and how to work. The other thing we did with that is we always had to review the results with parents. Because just like you said, it's like well, what does this mean? And they're here, you know, and they got the little bars and they, they measure everything on stain mm-hmm. ions. And how do you, you know, so just understanding yeah. how it got scored, uh, there's, it gives you everything by the strand about where things worked and didn't work, but also where they are in comparison to other people on their grade level. So it's good mm-hmm. information to have. It is. And I would also tell you as a parent who does achievement testing, not to panic, if your student doesn't do well in an area, I had that with my kids and it was always math, Dennis, it was always the math. And they absolutely overcame that gap in their learning. I think they just weren't developmentally there. Um, but, you know, I I was panicky at first, but I was finding that all of my students scored low on math. And then I had students who were just exceptional in math when they took the tests later mm. for college entrance. So don't panic. Right. <laughs> just stay the course. Yeah. You know, you know, I had something funny happen today. So I'll, I'll kind of just throw this in because this actually, it just reinforced everything that I do. Because, uh, you know, for oftentimes we think about math and we think we've got to drill and practice, drill and practice, drill and practice. But there's something, I think one of the things that gets overlooked is that we don't pay attention to the vocabulary and we don't know, you know, young people don't know what the words mean and they don't know what the words mean because oftentimes whoever's working with them doesn't, hasn't taken the time to actually say, well, what do the words mean? And here's what's funny. So my daughter has a, a young friend, a 16 year old boy, and he has a math exam, you know, and he's been struggling in math. And if he doesn't pass, he's not going to pass the grade level, you know, all that stuff. So he comes in now, he speaks very, very little English. And I, my Spanish is, is, pretty bad. And we sat down and we worked together now twice, twice this week. We worked together for about an hour each time. And I started with him on, well, I don't know what that, what does that word mean? You know, so we, and then my daughter had to translate a little bit for us. Right. And so she would, he would tell me the word in Spanish and then she would tell me the word in English. And then we'd have to come up with, okay, what does it mean? And once he discovered that what the word meant, he could do the math. He didn't have any trouble with the math. He just didn't know what the words meant. And then we get done. We did this for two hours. And then so he would do a problem. And I said, OK, now teach my daughter how to do the problem. And you show her. Right. And so, so he would do that. It was pretty funny what, what he was doing. But he said to me when he got done, because all we were focused on, there was the math, which he could do. He, he didn't have no trouble with that. He was pretty good with his arithmetic and, how, you know, how to do go through an equation. You know what to do. But he didn't understand what he was being asked to do. He gets done today and he looks at me and he says, he goes, he goes, you know, he says it, in Spanish is translated back to me. Right. He said he learned more in the two times that we met than he's learned in an entire school year. Mm-hmm. And that says something to me because it goes back to, well, what did we practice and what did we work on? We worked on the language. 
and I, I think we overlook that sometimes that we just think, well, we got to, you know, we're going to, we're going to learn all these math facts and math skills. And when you see this problem, do this, you know, like we, we focus on the formulas or the how to, as opposed to what the words mean. And I think the word, knowing what the words mean, make a huge difference. And that goes right back into taking tests. You understand what the words mean. The question makes a lot more sense. Right. Well, that is so kind of you to do this for this young man. I'm sure he is unbelievably grateful. I can't wait to hear how he does on his yeah, math test. Well. Yeah. But well, you will subscribe to my YouTube channel, right? So there we go, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you mentioned something in there just as an aside that I thought was so brilliant. We can have our students teach us how to do the problem because we both know that we learn more by teaching. Right. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. I mean, you can really master a concept if you have to explain how to do it. So have your student explain how to work this math problem to dad, who probably doesn't remember how to do it, you know, um, unless unless. Sorry. I mean, I don't mean to be offensive. You know, we could have dads who are math teachers in here right. or they're physicists or whatever. <laughs> but uh, my husband doesn't remember how to do the math problems. So. They could yeah. teach it to somebody. And I mean, that is a brilliant suggestion for helping kids master the concepts. That's actually homework in our test prep programs. You know, you're going to practice Perfect. the problems and then teach someone else how to do it. You know, and that's I love it. it. It's, it's all on. But for what you just said, it's just because we know things connect that don't connect when you're teaching someone else how to do something. So it's great. Right. Homeschool moms taught us that, you know. Yes. How often a homeschool mom comes back to me and says, I never understood this until I was teaching it. I was like, I know. Right? <laughs> well, look at our young people doing that, right? <laughs> right. Oh, I, I just love it. Okay. So Dennis, tell us how we can get more information about your test prep programs. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. Just come to our website. It's mrdmath.com. And you'll see on there where it talks about the test prep programs. You'll see the SAT, ACT. Uh, if you're interested in our that standardized test program, we don't advertise that on the website, but there's a way to contact us and just say, hey, I heard you with Dr. Melanie and I want more info on that. And we'll, we'll get, get you everything you need. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. So here's how I want to end. What final encouragement do you have for homeschoolers who are nervous going into testing of whatever sorts. Right. Well, it, I mean, it's actually really simple, right? Practice the way that you're going to take the test. That's it. Get get samples of the test and practice the test the way that you're going to take it. It is, uh, if you think about anything, like if you're a performer, you know, if you're, um, you know, if you're a musician and you're going to play a piece at a concert, are you going to practice the piece that you're playing for the concert? Or are you going to practice a bunch of other stuff, right? You're going to practice the piece that you're playing for the concert. If you're in sports, the same thing. If you're in dance, the same. It does anything that you want to be good at and excel at. And anybody that's coaching you in anything, that's what they're going to have you do. You're going to practice the way that you're going to perform. And I think that's the biggest thing. If young people, everybody, right? It doesn't matter mm -hmm. you know, our age, but for young people especially, right? If we have the chance to practice in the way that you can simulate best. And I love what you said about having them like be in a room where they're by themselves, get the clock or not have the clock or however that looks and set the timer, but practice it in a way so that it is the most simulated so that when it comes time to take the test, the stress level is something that you can tolerate. Not that it's going to mm -hmm. go away, but you can tolerate it because there's, now you're in, now you're in familiar territory. And that's huge. It, it is. Dennis, this was so, so helpful. I'm thrilled that we had a conversation about doing an episode on this topic. I know 
that my listeners are appreciative as I am. Thank you so much for joining me again on the podcast. So much fun. Anytime, please. Anytime. (laughs) To find a link to Dennis's website and other resources we discussed, go to homeschoolsanity.com slash test prep. Have a happy homeschool week. Thank you for joining me on the journey to homeschool sanity. I would love to continue the conversation. You can find me on social media at Homeschool Sanity. And if you haven't heard it lately, let me remind you, you're doing a great job. This has been a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.